so hey everyone how's it going um so this is the historical nft museum series two uh with crypto punks v1 and pride punks uh we're hosted by xoao myself and also quantum uh, who's up on stage and we have lizzo from pipe punks with us on stage uh at at this hour and then we'll have frank um and he will be coming from the CryptoPunks v1 community to speak uh about CryptoPunks v1 and their story so yeah welcome quantum how are you doing today hey hey xoeo doing really good glad to hear you um let me see also, I guess if we're speaking up here, we're also broadcasting inside the historical NFT museum. So just something also to remember when we're kind of managing two spaces here, right, on Twitter and then also um, within the new H NFT museum, which is really exciting. We just launched this, been working on it with XOAO for the last about four to five months. Um, we can invite Simulacra up here too, um, met Brian um, sometime probably in August or early September looking for a space and just thinking of ways to plug into the Minneapolis um, you know blockchain and web3 community nft artist community and everything but um yeah really cool to be on our second presentation today excited Lizzo's here joining us um, I don't know is Frank going to join us on Twitter or not but Frank is inside the museum um, so yeah excited just to hear about the project socialize for a bit and then you know for anyone that's already involved in the project you know there's time for everyone to socialize and ask questions um and then also you know definitely check out the museum as a whole probably afterwards but we're going to move pretty swiftly off of um we'll, we'll be streaming the audio on twitter but um a lot of the interactions and stuff will be focused on the metaverse museum inside simulacra the code is Skullish. You can access it through the HNFT Museum. Um, you just click, you know, top left there, the, the icon. Um, but yeah, the DAO, you know, it's pretty amazing. And we didn't really touch on it last week or the, even the week before. Um, just thinking a lot about, you know, it's it's been one year since really almost like this awakening. Because like, I know a lot of times it's called like rediscovery, but it's like really you know, Crypto Skulls awakened from, you know, being a fairly small community of collectors, um, I think around 300 holders to then, you know, I don't know, 4,000 or more, whatever, you know, whatever the facts and figures are, I can't remember at this moment, but, um, and I think what we, you know, we talked last week, XOAO, just about the DAO and with the other council members, um, and just this idea of empowerment, and that's, what I've been reflecting on a lot of like a lot of cool projects from the mural, um, from online resources, from Kobe and other folks in our community um, to now like a museum, you know, it's like been a really busy year. Um, so yeah, Crypto Skulls have awoken and yeah, good to be here. So yeah, the museum is open. Um, and then yeah, this focus on empowerment and finding ways to get people you know, either more involved in the history of crypto skulls and involvement or, you know, creative endeavors with art or, um, you know, whatever form that takes. Like, I think that's what the DAO is here for. And, you know, look forward to connecting with people on Discord. That really is the best way to, like, connect and participate in the DAO. So glad to be here today, Lizzo. We've known each other for a while. Super excited to just share a space with you. And, um, Frank, I know you from just the history of V1 
punks and um, the rapper and everything. Yeah, excited to connect with you today too. So back to you, XIO. Yeah, thanks, Quantum. Um, I'm still kind of, yeah, logging into the museum. Uh, so we can actually, you know, I can walk through the process with uh, newcomers who just join us in on, on the Twitter space. Uh, there's still a few people uh, flowing in and we're, we're, we're actually scheduling about 15 minutes uh, for everyone to uh, join us in the museum. So I've pinned a few tweets at the top uh, for the instructions to join. So the pinned tweet at the top is um, a link to simulacra.io slash hnft so that's the link to the museum which is uh exactly what i'm doing right now um and then yeah and then the code is skullish so uh, bullish but with skulls at the front so yeah uh, do do check out the museum with us live on stage and uh, lizzo will be uh sort of speaking about pride puns and their story uh, very shortly uh with a with a presentation for us so really excited about that um, but before we get to that, just want to um, maybe touch like very briefly upon the, I think the mission of the museum and why we're doing it. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's essentially a few goals that we wanted to work on. Um, one of them was like education in, in NFT history and really like curating, uh, you know, historical NFTs and, and telling their stories. I think the storytelling is super interesting and it's, it's how I kind of personally you know, learnt about uh, the, the historical NFT space and, and the story of crypto skulls um, and why, you know, provenance is so significant in the space. And so, you know, I've been educating myself and, and learning from, you know, historians like Leonidas and Adam McBride and people who have knowledge in the space of, you know, historical NFTs. And, you know, I've, I've learned, you know, so much from them and from everyone from, in the community. So I think we're stronger together and, and you know, we're, we're combining you know, 25 different projects in the Historical Entity Museum and, and really learning about every single story and, and being inspired by them. Um, so it's, it was very much a community-driven thing. And so the second point is, like, how do we, you know, how do we inspire each other? How do we empower community and grow together? Um, and I think that's super important when it comes to this space. Is like, you know, we're all in it together. We're all learning from each other. And, um, yeah, through history and through our own stories and through our own journey, uh, we, you know, we can inspire others, hopefully, to, uh, to you know, to create, to learn and to innovate. Um, so, yeah. So, I think the third uh, aspect of the museum is um, really to onboard new people to the space. And the, the, the bigger the community, the, you know, the, the, the word of mouth spreads and the network effect, you know, takes place. And I think, you know, the whole space will, will benefit from, you know, education and, and, you know, NFTs. I believe that, you know, adoption is, is coming. And I think, you know, we, there's no better way to learn uh, than, than to explore our past and, and learn from, you know, the history. So, yeah, so that's like the goal of the museum. And, um, yeah, back over to you, Quantum, um, you know, for for the, our session today with uh, Pride Punks and Crypto Punks. Yeah, thanks, XOL. Actually trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, computer and phone in hand, it's, it's a lot. But um, let's see, we're at 12.11. So yeah, for folks that are just joining us or popping in or grabbing an invite link or whatever off Discord, um, we're inside the new HNFT Museum in Simulacra. 
I don't know if we want to bring Brian up here or not. I guess we can move just right into the museum. It's fine for today. Um, and yeah, we're going to work through and just, you know, enjoy this presentation here that Liz was put together. Um, you know, targeting maybe about like 30 minutes or so for that. And then any question and answer period or, you know, um, anything we want to discuss. And then we'll move to Frank and probably move into the museum and move up onto the second floor. So excited for that. Let's, uh, do you have any music XOAO you can just play for a second while we move into the museum? Yep. Oh, I'll play it now. So it's three minutes. Okay, yep. perfect. And then we'll stream it through the HNFT account and then we'll pop back in and yeah, if folks want to join us in the museum, that's awesome.
All right. That's so cool. Thanks, Lizzo, for those. For some dancing tunes. Well, awesome. Thanks for being here today. I'll move this over to you on Twitter and here, but yeah. So awesome to see you in the metaverse and um, yeah, definitely look forward to hearing what you got going today. And yeah, thank you all for being here. Great seeing everyone. Got the presentation here. And like I said before, we'll spend about 30 minutes inside the museum. If anyone is joining us on Twitter and wants to just jump in, um, it's pretty easy. XWAO was explaining it a little while ago that the link and the code are above and it's the, just the passcode to get in. And we're, we're working on kind of cleaning up that process, but it's just skullish and you can access it through the HNFT Twitter and then also the website too. So definitely check that out. Um, and, you know, the other thing I actually should know is later when we're inside the museum on all the pieces, it clicks you through and into um, the web page and like kind of like a blog think about it as like a page about the project. So there is separate pages for PryPunks, um, CryptoPunks, you know, and all the pieces that are up in the museum. So definitely check that out too. Um, if you are on Twitter and want to like, you know, later when you're at home or whatever, pop in, definitely something to note. And then for the folks that are here, definitely check that out inside the metaverse. Um, you know, as always, thanks so much, Brian, for putting this together. And we're learning as we go. And there's a lot of like tips and tricks that him and his team have like either built in or just have learned. So that's awesome to learn about and just get better at using this space too. Cause it's, you know, just as much new to me as it is probably new to most of you. So Thank you all and hope you enjoy today's presentation and discussion with um, Pride Punks and then right afterwards with Crypto, Funk, Crypto Punks, um, what we now call version one. Uh, thanks, you all. All right. Well, thank you for the, the uh, introduction. Really appreciate you guys being here. Hold on one second. Get the echo. Uh, so again, appreciate you guys being here. Uh, I am Lizzo. I'm the admin of Pride Punks 2018. I'm very excited today uh, to talk a little bit about Pride Punks uh, with you guys. And with that, we'll get right into it. Go ahead with the first slide. People take the longest possible path, digress to numerous dead ends, and make all kinds of mistakes. And then historians, of course, come along and write summaries of this messy, nonlinear process and make it appear, appear like a simple, straight line. As you walk the halls of the historical NFT museum, there's story upon story and mistake upon mistake and dead end upon dead end of different projects uh, that many people uh, before us uh, had made. Uh, of course, the first NFTs uh, were, were um, you know, ID solutions. There's many different ideations and, and, and different processes of the NFTs. And as we walk through the, the storied history of Pride Punks today, you're going to hear much of the same. Um, Pride Punks 
had mistakes. We bumped our, our uh, stubbed our toes and bumped our heads, uh, just like many of the others that went before us. Um, and we're really excited to talk a little bit about that today. Next slide. What are Pride Punks? Uh, Pride Punks were launched in June 23rd of 2018 as a celebration of CryptoPunks uh, Pride Month and a statement of lack of inclusive, uh, inclusivity of Web3. Uh, they were created in a, at a time when Larva Labs were traded from your dollars and were intended to be a collaborative project to make punks more exciting. Next slide, please. So when we talk about Pride Punks, it starts with Denison Bertram. Denison Bertram was the uh, founder of Pride Punks, a New York City man. Uh, the story of Denison is very heralded, and, and but there's a lot about him you may not know. Uh, Denison Bertram, as you may know, the next slide, please, uh, was the founder of Tally, uh, Tally.com, which is a decentralized autonomous organization uh, which it's an interface that allows uh, people to, to kind of host their DAOs. Uh, it, I believe uh, ENS uses them and, and Uniswap uses uh, Tally. Uh, he was also the founder of DAP Hero uh, by BTC.CZ, which was the first Bitcoin exchange in the Czech Republic. This is 2012. Uh, so this is a, a while ago. He was one of the kind of quote unquote uh, OGs and uh, cypherpunks. Um, but even more interesting, I think, is the art that Denison created. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Uh, so we talk about Web 2 me versus Web 3 me. Uh, so Denison in Web 2 uh, was a photographer, and he enjoyed telling a story through the medium of photography. He was also a videographer and an artist and technologist, uh, futurist, and really enjoyed um, telling stories through the medium of photography. Of course, he worked with some really great uh, companies and many people enjoyed his work uh, and he spent a lot of time uh, in that um, space. Next slide, please. So this is Web 3, Denison, right? So we had the Web 2 versus the Web 3, and we'll tell a little bit about Denison's story as it relates to the CryptoPunk story. Uh, of course, uh, PridePunks is uh, a later iteration of CryptoPunks, but at the time, Denison was a, a serial entrepreneur, and he was working in New York City uh, in WeWork. And he had many different projects he was working on. Uh, and lo and behold, just adjacent to his office was a new startup uh, called OpenSea. And this was something that had kind of struck him as interesting because, again, he was interested in the crypto space and it was something that aligned with a lot of the things he was working on. In fact, he had collected crypto punks. He was, uh, he was a fan of crypto punks. And he had uh, collected roughly right around 60 crypto punks. And at the time, it was uh, a little bit of a different uh, technology. The NFT was a little bit of a different nuance. He, he kind of liked it because it, it kind of was more of the artistic vein. Uh, you know, a lot of the NFTs prior to this, we saw a lot of, uh, you know, 
trading cards or you know identity solutions but as far as the the art piece this is something that kind of was cool and interesting for Dennison so he uh, at the time because he was working in the space and learning and he was a budding uh, kind of a, a startup developer he was really interested in, in kind of trading these and so he he gave away most of them to friends and family now keep in, in mind back then in 2018 the bull market if you guys remember was uh, kind of full full-on bull market at this time and these were selling for mere dollars you know a hundred dollars two hundred dollars it wasn't something that was you know, very expensive at the time, uh, but it was fun, it was novel, and it was something that was new and innovative. So, uh, again, Dennison kind of traded these. And in fact, Dennison would host meetups with the uh, CryptoPunks and in the local area. And he was very excited about kind of collaborating with these people. Now, many of the people uh, that he spent time collaborating with went on to do some really neat and interesting things or some of the, the kind of leaders in, in some of, of the uh, applications you know and love today. Uh, but again, it, when he looked around, he, he started thinking about it and he wanted to, you know, kind of his creative juices started flowing. And one of the things that's very that Dennison was very passionate about uh, was diversity and, and, and inclusion and, and ensuring that uh, you know that 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 was recognized. Now Dennison uh, decided that he wanted to make an artistic statement, and so what he did was he started developing uh, the first the derivative uh you know of the crypto policy at the time he didn't think it was a derivative project he just wanted to make an artistic statement uh so he took the the, the crypto punks and he started fiddling around with the the, the contract you know again he was a, a new developer and he was trying to come up with a creative solution to to kind of create uh an artistic statement now at the time he was um uh, he, he created a wrapper contract. Now, the way that this worked, now this was very novel at the time. In 2018, there wasn't a lot of wrapper contracts going around. Uh, the original contract required that a CryptoPunk owner wrap their CryptoPunk inside of the Brightpunk. So all of the uh, CryptoPunk holders that wanted to transition their CryptoPunk or mint, quote unquote, a bright punk, they would actually, uh, you know, wrap their, uh, the, the mint, quote unquote, would wrap their uh, crypto punk into a bright punk. It's interesting if, uh, you know, if you kind of think about it, uh, if, if this project had minted out, what, what, what would crypto punks be? But of course it did. Uh, what had happened was uh, the, the contract had a flaw. So a few of the, the CryptoPunk uh, folks actually uh, started wrapping. And, and if you would like to go to the next slide, I think I have a, a display of, of some of the... Oh, yeah. So again, uh, just to go back, it uh, occurred exactly one year after the V2 version of CryptoPunks. Now, uh, we're going to be talking today, Frank, we're going to have a very... Uh, great presentation about the first iteration of CryptoPunks, the V1 punks, uh, which were launched June 9th. And then uh, June 23rd, uh, there was, uh, you know, the, the, the second version. And these were launched exactly one year later. Uh, this was launched during Pride Month. Now, keep in mind, Pride Punks 
and Denison didn't want to specifically make an LGBTQ project. Now, this was um, and is considered by many a pride project, and, and it is much it, 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 of that ethos, but it was more a statement of inclusivity. And when he thought of the rainbow, he thought of um, what was the best representation of, of in, including individuals and representing underrepresented communities. Uh, and this is why he chose the rainbow. So again, um, the, the mint uh, didn't occur. If you go to the next slide, I'll, I'll show you in, in um, the, this is actually the CryptoPunks Discord. Uh, if you go back into the CryptoPunks Discord, this is kind of the messaging uh, Denison had released and, I, at the time, um, you know, was was met with some some smiley face and a thumbs up, um, and and people, uh, you know, thought it was interesting. Now, keep in mind, it didn't uh, it didn't work. And Denison, uh, being a serial entrepreneur, had a lot of other things on his plate, and he was doing a lot of other activities. So he put this one on the shelf, and he thought, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know. Try, try something else and, and, and do some other things. And he did. Obviously, he launched Tally and so a lot of other major uh, you know, projects. But in 2022, we all know what happened. You know, 2021, 2022, with the CryptoPunks, of course, it became extremely uh, popular. And uh, a lot of the, the folks that had these were like, you know, maybe the OGs of this space. And uh, there was a lot of uh, popularity and then price appreciation with these assets. Now, Denison, you know, looking at this, he said, gosh, you know, I, I have a project, <coughs> excuse me, that I, I was, was part of this story. You know, this is, this is something that I'd like to share. So in 2022, uh, Denison had the contract of course, if you go to the website, pridepunks.xyz, there is the provenance of the contract from 2018. And he had the artwork that was still there. And everything, uh, again, was, was on the blockchain. It's a story of the, on the blockchain. So he allowed uh, the, the, the contract to mint out on March 23rd of 2022. Now, keep in mind, at this time, um everyone knew who the crypto punks were and um the issue that we had was the way that the mint was set up is is the mint was in sequence so as far as the, the problem that we we our denison foresaw is that technologists can create bots that can maybe take some of the uh, you know more rare assets and and kind of pick and choose which rare assets um, were, were uh, desirable. And so additionally, Denison was very passionate about DAOs and creating, uh, you know, some, some reserve assets for the DAO. So the apes and the aliens were reserved for the DAO. Additionally, the uh, all assets above nine, uh, number punk 9,640, uh, I'm sorry, 9,672, were reserved for the Dow. Well, uh, the, the the mint went great. Uh, we minted out in two days, and then uh, we had. Uh, let's see if I can see the date here. Uh, 
this is 423. Oh, you can go back. 423, uh, a day that will live in infamy. Uh, this is, uh, uh, we actually had, uh, you know, Denison, the story goes, Dennis was just coming back from a, a vacation with his family. And, you know, he, he was uh, required to kind of send the apes and aliens to a new contract. And what had happened, I, I kind of look at it in the light of, if you've ever seen the, the guy, he's got the bomb in front of him, right? He's got a red wire. <laughs> he's got the black wire. And uh, Dennis had, had two buttons. Now, this is new technology, guys. This is new technology. And uh, one was to take the Metapunk controller and um, to, to send these uh, assets to um, the, the Dow. The other one was burn the assets forever in explosion. And lo and behold, he cut the, the wrong wire. They exploded. Everything was lost. All the apes and aliens. And of course, it was a tragedy. At the time, the uh, community was very upset because we'd lost the, the most, uh, quote unquote, uh, you know, scarce and valuable and, uh, of assets. So uh, I did reach out to friends and try to get this thing resolved. Uh, if, you, if you guys turn and look, uh, there's a man named Leechless in the front row. Uh, that's actually Vinay Gupta. Uh, he rolled out Ethereum. Hi, Vinay. Uh, and Vinay was able to uh, help us, uh, kind of he and his team at Materium, were able to look and review the uh, project to see if there was any way we could uh, save this project. Fortunately, after a week of his team looking, uh, we were unable to save these and we burned these, we, we allowed these to, to go away forever. So uh, that is the story of the apes and the aliens. And uh, we're sad to see them go. Next slide, please. We talk about, uh, the, that's a little bit about our, our history. And we talk about our present. Um, we have, uh, again, a DAO that, that is funded. And one of the things we wanted to ensure that we did is we wanted to ensure that we figured out what the, the ethos of our DAO was, and we reached out and we found, you know, people kind of chatting about what our mission should be. And the mission that stuck out was making history together for underrepresented communities in Web3. So we, again, uh, just... Uh, this is what we, we adhere to. This is our mission. We're very proud of that mission. Next slide, please. So again, our DAO, of course, we have a DAO. Um, Dennison was cool enough to kind of set up the DAO, give us a little bit of seed money to get going. And um, every time that a Pride Punk is bought or sold, uh, a little portion, 7% goes to our DAO to support our mission course, uh, to represent underrepresented communities in Web3, and we um, are continuing that mission. In fact, we have uh, some great stuff that's forthcoming. We have a, a person named Clouds who is taking care of a lot of our uh, giving back uh, narratives and initiatives, so we're very proud of that, really excited about that, and uh, again, that's part of our ethos and what we do, so we're excited to continue on with that. Next slide, please. 
All right. So in closing, um, just to kind of let you guys know, we're really, you know, while we're really excited to share the stories, right, the stories in this museum, um, you know, it's a diverse, to a diverse audience, we're even more excited with the future and with what that holds and what we can build together. So thanks again. Uh, we really appreciate you guys being here with us today in the museum and let's make history together. Um, I think we can open it up for some questions and we'll go from there. Yeah, thanks, Lizzo. Yeah, that was a really great presentation and I learned a lot. I really did not understand that. Um, just about the real creation and Denison's involvement. And then I guess my question, like when did you learn about it or how did you get involved, Lizzo? Yeah, so um, uh, I was involved in some other projects um, and this one came across my desk. I had a friend named Nick who was working on some other stuff and he said, hey, you know, I've got this pride punch thing I'm working on. Uh, to me, it was something that uh, I thought was important. Um, and so I decided to kind of get involved. So I was there day one and uh, was, was able to kind of help along the way. So I, I was there right at the kind of the onset of this and, and kind of helped uh, the, the group along. Sweet. Yeah, that is really awesome. And just like that kind of like coincidence of life and even the story of his workspace, we space or whatever being right across from I'm not pressing tab here, but just the story about the workspace being across from the beginning of open sea. It's what a kind of crazy coincidence. And, you know, being in New York and being there in that moment um, is definitely something special. And then to have, yeah, I already have come up across something like CryptoPunks, but um, yeah, people have questions. I guess if folks on Twitter have questions um you can invite yourself up ideally you'd be in the museum and could type a question but yeah if folks have questions about pride punks i'm trying to think a little bit more xoao if you had anything um yeah i'll have happy to speak um i'm gonna can you hear me on the museum as well all right all right Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you can hear me. Um, yeah, so Lizzo, thanks for the presentation. You know, it's uh, really fascinating to, to hear the story of Pride Punks. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's really, you know, I think I learned something new every day. And, and uh, you know, I was super inspired by the, by the story and the inception of the project. Um, what, what's your inspiration behind this story? What's your biggest inspiration that keeps you going and, and spreading the mission uh, of Pride Punks. Uh, I wanted to do something to give back. Uh, my daughter uh, is a counselor, was a counselor in the LGBTQ community, and I thought this was an opportunity to give back. Um, and to be upfront with you, I think that, you know, there are certain things and there are certain elements 
that I think are important. I thought this was a flag in history that was very important. And it had all the mechanisms and all the things I liked. Our, our, you know, our, our folks aren't paid. We do this because it's we, something we feel that's important. Uh, it's something we feel that we, we you know, we have a, kind of a storefront with our NFT. Of course, it is a historical NFT. And you know, NFTs can be a storefront to many, many things. And we felt that this was a great storefront for a DAO and for our community, and for giving back, and hopefully making it a change and a difference in people's lives in a real way. Uh, we try to empower people um, to be the leaders of tomorrow and to give opportunities where we can. So for me, that was uh, why I chose to, to join and, and be part of the community. I love that. Yeah, so... Just kind of quickly, just to touch upon that, um, I think the, you know, what you said about like the inclusiveness of, you know, of Pride Punks and, you know, how, how it inspires you every day. That's just beautiful. And um, it aligns with our kind of values and our goals um, as a community. And especially in the historical NFT space, like it's so important to be inclusive and open uh, and really share the knowledge that we have Um individually as projects but also you know as as projects you know leaders or project uh moderators it's all about like you know how do we foster community how do we um you know learn from each other so you know i think the museum uh, goals and values really aligns with uh, with pride punks and yeah I'm, I'm so excited to have you um on on stage and, and sharing the story um Another project, uh, another question maybe is, uh, you know, what's the future, uh, you know, for Pride Punks? You know, what are you looking to do in this space and uh, any exciting things coming up? Uh, fund, which um, helps out with LGBTQ communities as well as um, uh, helps suicide prevention and a bunch of other things. Uh, but we can, want to continue to partner. If you look at our community, uh, it's not only LGBTQ. We're historians. We're diversity. Uh, we're allies. We're people that are, are here to try to to make the world a better place. Believe it or not. So that's that's kind of where we're at, and we'll continue to kind of move forward. Now, keep in mind, in a DAO, it's run by the community, so it's up to the community to decide the direction, and they have a vote that they can cast. If they have a uh, you know a, a token, a, a token or an NFT, uh, they can have a voice. So we invite people to get involved and and to kind of continue the the trajectory of, of moving forward. And we hope to find people that are are passionate about the same thing and have the same ethos. So um, really excited about that. Uh, but as far as the the other piece, uh, I have to uh, I have to say hi. Uh, you know, we have somebody here who was at the beginning of, of Ethereum. So, uh, Vinay Gupta, are you, uh, are you able to talk? So what do you think about this space as you're walking around, Benet? Do you see all of these old NFTs? I mean, you were around, you helped roll out Ethereum. What do you, what do you think about this stuff? Oh, it's amazing to see it fusing into VR, you know? Uh, I mean, the fact that we're in a kind of virtual space to have this conversation, 
you know, I guess this is not very well known, but like I started out as a graphics engineer in the 1990s trying to work on VR systems. Uh, and so, you know, I've always thought that in the long run, you were going to see this total fusion between uh, VR and blockchain and transferable property rights. And actually, the museum is kind of an instantiation of all that, right? Like, here's the transferable property rights in the form of the art. You know, here's the virtual environment we're interacting with. And the fact that, you know, this is sort of joining together with those multiple threads is kind of amazing for me. Uh, it's very cool to be here. Yeah, it's really cool. So, did you were you collecting any any NFTs back then or anything? No, I have a, I have a pretty virtual space. So, I got legal advice very early on in the process, and lawyers told me that you know there was a decent chance that in the long run, each was going to be a legal over the security. Um, at that point, I would have been the front man for an unregistered security set. Uh, so I was rather uncomfortable with this, and on legal advice, I divested. So I went completely out of crypto assets in 2016, specifically so that I could stay in the space and develop technology without the fear of the SEC coming for me, or even worse, one of the uh, departments of the American government dealing with security support. Um, so I actually have a kind of, like, I don't have personal crypto keys. The company has keeps money in crypto at all. We've run the interface between the real world and crypto, but we run that interface in the real world side, which is a, an extremely weird situation. Like, that is not the way we would expect us to be doing this, but it's what gives us a lot of the real world credibility that lets us handle things like physical assets. And the, the company, by the way, is material. So yeah, consequently, never had NFTs, you know, never participated in token projects, didn't do any of that stuff. Everybody knows exactly what my agency is, which is like just do your thing. Yeah, I think the uh, the Vitalik's white paper had something about uh, Namecoin being, uh, you know, it mentioned as a non fungible token. So pretty interesting stuff. Ethereum people do understand the you know, like, what's that? that that's weird. No, that was um, so, you know, it was not something that people, like, we were around from the you know, and watching them go by was this amazing experience. I don't know what you do know. What do you mean they, what do you mean they connected, you know, like, they've got a smart contract that moves around JPEGs. And then we kind of watched the culture arrive, and that was the beginning of the arrival of the artists in the Ethereum space. Part of that, it was just wall to wall nerds. And then there was a point where, you know, like the investment bankers arrived. Uh, And then after the investment bankers arrived, you know, there were kind of subsequent waves of innovation came in as these different people arrived, and then the artists arrived, and that was real. That was what we said. Okay, we're actually going to, you know, this thing is actually going to legs because it has uses for people that aren't just dry finance types. It isn't just investment bankers and hackers. It's like it has a cultural utility. Yeah, it's definitely moved into a, a cultural phenomenon. Uh, now, Lee, if you don't mind me asking, what do you see as far as the future of NFTs? Everything. You know, there's never really been a medium that allows people to direct the market. 
of real life of assets. I think he worked with William Shatner and others to to kind of tokenize uh, toys and the like, and so and a lot of other things, gold and and wine and art. So uh, people who do painting, stuff like that, pretty cool. Yeah, it's truly amazing. Yeah, thank you for being here. All right, so I think that's all I have here, uh, and we'll probably come coming to the bottom of the hour. If anyone has any uh, final questions before we kind of wrap this up from my end. I do. I have a question, um, and maybe it's just because I missed it because I had to walk my dog in the middle of this, but I'm back. Um, if I go on OpenSea and I look at the Pride Punks collection, they sorted by the oldest. I can see that the first one there um, looks like it was minted five years ago. Then a lot of the other ones look like they were airdropped recently, and I'm just wondering like, why that is. I'm sorry if I missed that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so in 2018, uh, the contract and Denison had minted a couple, and this was uh, part of the wrapper process we talked about where it didn't work. Uh, so that was kind of shelved after just a couple assets were uh, created. Of course, we used um, you know the 2018 contract. When you see that it's airdropped, that was just our mint when we minted from the 2018 contract. Awesome, thanks. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Thanks, question. All right, guys. Uh, if there's any final question, one last one before I, I want to be very cognizant. Frank has some really great stuff about the V1s, and I want to make ensure that we provide him the time. All right. With that, thank you so much for having us. Quantum, appreciate it. XOAO. Uh, thank you so much for all the stuff that you did here. We appreciate all the Pride Punk folk for coming out and listening in. Have a great day, guys. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, Lizzo. And, like, we'll, I'm sure if you're going to stick around, some more questions and stuff will come out. It feels like people are shy speaking. But, um, yeah, let's connect with Frank here in the museum. Um, it does not look like he's online. Oh, yeah, he is. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. I'm here. Oh, good. Let's move over oh, to XLAO. Let's move over to XLAO. Right. right. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Frank. Can you uh, mute for a second? Just one second. Say that, say that again, please. Yeah. So, yeah, so, Okay. Uh, yeah. Just just making sure everyone's on mute. Um, just just very how you know housekeeping. Um, yeah. Thanks so much, Lizzo, for the presentation, uh, and everyone. Thanks for joining for the Pride Punks um, space. Sorry, Frank. Um, what? <laughs> one second. Um, so Simulacra, our um, our partners for the museum, uh, they uh, kindly asked everyone to uh, basically have a group photo. Uh, and also, uh, don't forget, uh, we have a PO app for uh, you know, both spaces, both for the uh, Pride Punks and the Crypto Punks V1 um, space. So, yeah, please uh, DM Historical Entity Museum uh, on Twitter to get your PO app. So, yeah, it, uh, if you can just um, get everyone on stage to do a group photo, uh, that would be awesome. Um, I, I love the background. Let's make history together. 
uh, by Pride Puns. So thanks uh, for the awesome presentation, Nizzo. Uh, and then we'll introduce uh, Frank very shortly. Thank you. on Twitter as I can. But yeah, sweet backdrop as well. I love the presentation. Great questions too. Good to see everybody coming out. All right, let's connect with Frank here in the museum and we're gonna walk all together. Um, I'll let Frank stream here on Twitter, but yeah, for folks joining the Twitter space, um, really this is a live event inside the historical NFT museum. Lizzo just presented on Pride Punks and we're moving over to Frank with CryptoPunks and the V1 community. Um, so yeah, we're gonna stream the audio here on Twitter, but we're walking around checking out not only CryptoPunks, but a lot of art um, like XOAO, mentioned this is a crypto skulls dow project this whole historical nft museum and there's over 20 projects represented and it was just a you know really great honor to work with so many people in the crypto skulls community that are collecting historical nfts and that's what this space really represents and awesome to have frank and all of you here on twitter and all of you here in the museum here today so uh let's move over to frank and uh yeah, as soon as you're ready, Frank, I'll uh, kind of um, mute myself and move over to you. I'm ready. Uh, do a stream to both uh, to do the Twitter. Yeah, please do. Okay, all mics are open. But uh, Excel, we were going to make this more uh, a conversation thing. So how do how are we going to do this? Uh, so I'm going to ask a question, um, and then and then uh, well, yeah, it's more of an interview sort of podcast style um, for this for this segment of the space. Um, and uh, yeah, we're really excited to to have you. And then yeah, we we prepped a few questions, and um, you know, really really dive into the story of of um, uh, CryptoPunks V1 and, and also your experience like with the community and in and, and your story as well so yeah so just a quick intro Frank you know we we met each other like uh, you know a few times now uh, in real life and you know I think it's been uh, you know really awesome to get to know you um, both as an individual but you know you you really inspire me like um, uh, in in the space uh, you, you you know so much about historical nfts and you know there's a lot to learn from you um and i, I can't wait to uh, to learn more about the story of CryptoPunks and and uh, why is there is like a v1 and v2 um so um would you be able to give us an introduction um you know to yourself your background uh kind of your your early i guess your, your context and, and how you got into the nft space and we'll go from there thanks yeah sure so uh yeah i'm frank you 
the NFT part is not really my name, so I'm Frank. Uh, I'm a professional programmer. I'm mainly doing project management and program management now, so uh, yeah, that's a little bit less, but uh, used to be a professional programmer, let's call it like that. And, and I'm in the crypto space since you could still mine Bitcoin on your laptop, basically. I, I didn't have a laptop there. It was a desktop, but okay. So that's a very long time ago. And yeah, a little bit more than, than two years ago, I think I, I did read an, an article of uh, FTs. And uh, I'm also an amateur artist. So I said, oh, I, I really have to do that. Um, so I, I did read the article very well. And the article did speak of three platforms. Uh, that was Foundation, uh, Super Rare, and Known Origin. So I, I looked a little bit into the, the three platforms. And I decided Foundation was the one that I would uh, try to get on. Now, at that moment, Foundation was an, an invite-only platform. So I basically had to uh, to suck ass for like two weeks, uh, I think, to get an invite. Uh, I got my invite, and my first artwork sold in like 24 hours. And I said, wow, this is cool. Um, and yeah, from there on, I'm into some more artwork on foundations. And I slowly learned what, what, what collections were. And at a certain moment, one of the of the moderators of foundations, he posted, it was FCC, he posted a tweet and he said, I want to do a project and I'm looking for people to, to join me. Um, I had no clue what FCC was planning, but I, I responded, I'm, I'm in, count on me. Uh, and also so did Tori. Uh, Tori is an artist from New Zealand. And so with the three of us, we launched We Are Dorkies uh, in September 21. And I think he's in the room. I have to check here. Yes, he's in the room. Um, and yeah, we, we are dorkies that did relatively well. Uh, it was the very first hand-drawn uh, PFP on paper. I actually have pictures of Tori sitting in her living room with like, yeah, all these traits around her. So hundreds of pieces of paper that she hand-colored with, with pencils. Um, and yeah, at that moment, there was no hash lips. You, know, you couldn't download this software. So I wrote the, the program that would put all the art together. Uh, we launched it. And one of our biggest holders is, is, is actually here in the room, I see, and that is Cyborg. Um, and at a, at a certain moment, Cyborg, uh, he approached me and he said, yeah, I, I have these V1s. I you actually gave one away, actually, at a certain moment, even on the on the V1 Discord. And he approached me and said, yeah, these tokens are not treatable. And yeah, there is a bug in the contract. And can we do something? And uh, I looked into it and I answered to Cyborg, well, yeah, you, you just, it was it was December almost, November, I think, end of November, something like that. You, you, just, you just killed my Christmas holiday because I'm going to work on this for you. Um, and so we dove into it. Uh, Cyborg made made the Discord, the Discord that you know now, the the V one Discord. But there were like five or six people in there at that time. Uh, and uh, I think Lenaidas was was there. I don't know if he's here in the museum, but he, he's on the Twitter Spaces. I see. Um, uh, and a few others. Um, and we voted on stuff like the color scheme. 
Leonidas wanted neon stuff, uh, but we didn't choose for that. <laughs> so the lavender uh, became our fav- favorite uh, background. And yeah, other people started coming in. Uh, we, we tried to contact all the big holders. Uh, Hemba came in, Moxley came in. Uh, <clears throat> and at, on, on 17th of January, we actually we, we launched that, that V1 wrapper. Uh, and yeah, that's a little bit my story. Well, yeah, there were a lot of other things happened in between. I think I did over 35 contracts now for projects. So I've been quite busy in this space. I see that IPA was there and voted for Lavender. Yoo-hoo. Thank you. And yeah, this, 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 we launched it. And of course, yeah, that, that basically that started a small war between the, the, the V2s and the V1s. I see uh, Lionidas is also joining in. He's probably still in the back, back room. Um, so that gave it quite a, quite a, a Twitter war, to give it like that, yeah, where the V2 said, yeah, but they're not real, they're fake, and, and so on. And luckily, all that is over now. Um, um, yeah, Lava Lab started tweeting about him, and stuff like, we don't like him, and that, that, gave, a, that gave a tremendous uh, stress and effect, because the more that Lava Labs tweeted about him, the, the more famous uh, the V1s actually would get. At a certain moment, they had a floor of, of, of 38, and we were going to be the number one uh, trading on OpenSea at that moment. And then Larva Labs, of course, they, they DMCA'd us. And uh, yeah, uh, at that moment, uh, Hanba and me, we took a, a lawyer under the arm. And yeah, we created the counter DMCA. The counter DMCA was sent. Uh, there were some issues with it, but we're not going to into into deep with that. Finally, uh, the counter DMCA was submitted, but also about a week after it was submitted, Yuga actually did buy the IP of the CryptoPunks and of the MeBits. And yeah, Yuga immediately said, "Yeah, we, we don't we don't care about this DMCA. We, we're not going to do anything with it." And that was also, that was a good cue. And yeah, a few days later, uh, the counter DMCA also expired because yeah, they have basically two weeks to sue you. And we were back on OpenSea because OpenSea really wanted to put us back online. And from there we started trading again. Of course, yeah, we lost a lot of momentum, but uh, yeah, we are where we are now. I think we're doing quite some volume, but had a, had a decent floor. It, it, uh, it bumps from time to time, a little bit up and down. Um, so I, I think we're doing quite well with the V1s at this moment. And also we have peace with the V2s now. So that is, that is also pretty cool. And we see more and more people now that are actually uh, going for their pair, where they say, okay, I have uh, this V2 or I have this V1. And I'm looking for the other one. And I pair them up in the same wallet. And that's a little bit where we are now. So XO, any questions? 
Thanks, Frank. Um, yeah, super fascinating. Um, I guess, like, what kind of emotions, like, were, were you, did you feel? How did you feel, like, when, you know, there was a DMCA and, like, you know, all this drama going on? Like, like how did that feel? And, you know, what what was the uncertainty like? And um, and why, why, why were you so, like, you know, certain? And uh, why, why are you so certain about uh, the project? And, and how, <laughs> where, where does the conviction come from? Uh, I got rocked on the on the on the metaverse. By the way, I'm trying to log in again. Uh, well, the, the, the conviction was uh, we basically we had something like how the hell can you DMCA your own art? They created it. We didn't create it. They created it. Uh, what was the password here again? Okay, uh, and. Yeah, we talked to this lawyer, and, and he completely agreed with us. Uh, he said, "Yeah, but the, 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 this is not this is not okay. So we will win this, even if, even if they would decide to sue us, we will win this easily." Um, and so, yeah, we definitely did counter DCMA that. Yeah, sorry if you hear me typing. We're trying to log into the metaverse again. back over to you guys. I don't know if Frank wants to talk about it. Um, uh, so, sorry, I didn't hear your question. Like so, did you pose a question? Because it didn't come through on the Twitter spaces, but I, I did hear that you were saying something. So yeah, no, it was a it was a question from Quantum. Uh, yeah, so DM me Quantum if you wanna, um, if you have some technical difficulties. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of, you know, go back to that story. And I I think maybe stepping back, like, can you take take us through like you're learning the V one punks like the the projects right? Like, what what was it like for the community to get involved? Like, how did it grow? Um, and also like you know you you mentioned people like Cyborg and. There was, there was some amazing, you know, some pretty instrumental people who, who um, you know, contributed so much to this to this, uh, to this community, right? Like, how do you see this community sort of growing, um, you know, as as the space uh, grows, um, and and kind of like maybe take us through like that 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 V one punk story and and what we should be, you know, what what kind of things we need to know, um, <laughs> um, yeah. So so that those probably. A, a very multi-layered question there, but yeah. So, so maybe make it take us through the story, um, and then also like um, you know the people who contributed to to the early stages, and also um, the the current uh, holders as well. Okay, no problem. Well. Uh... Maybe it's important that I, I first explain the bug. The bug was also quite an interesting thing. So when the, when they launched the V1 Slava Labs, they, they were free to claim. Um, 
there was yeah, free claim. They sold out, I think, out, after one or two weeks, something like that. And then they started trading. And relatively fast, they did discover there was a quite horrible bug in the contract. So, so I would buy your punk. So I would get the punk. And actually, when, uh, when I then uh, claimed the punk, I could actually also call the withdrawal method and I would get my money back. Uh, so that was, yeah, it was not really cool for the for the sellers. Um, and so Lava Labs actually decided to deploy a copy-paste, a new contract, uh, two weeks later, and just airdrop all the punks again as they were at the moment of claim. So all trades were undone, to call it like that. And yeah, the V1s basically at that moment, they were forgotten. Except by people like like Cyborg, he he kept he kept an eye on them, and there were a few other people that that kept an eye on them, and so beginning uh, of twenty two, we launched that uh, that wrapper that makes them trade a little bit again, that actually makes them an ERC seven two one because they're also they're another an ERC seven two one. There's let let's call it a modified ERC twenty because they're not even an ERC twenty. Uh, but they're traded, tradable again on, on OpenSea. And then indeed, yeah, the, the, the Discord that Cyborg made uh, at that moment, I don't know, it had like 10 people, something like that, or slowly coming in, 20 people. And we did uh, completely organically grow. So we never paid any promotion. We never paid any celebrities, uh, whatever. The main thing that we do is, yeah, like here, we have, we have a few people that, that do that a lot. Leonidas is one of them. Uh, Cyborg is one of them. Uh, Sean is one of them. Uh, we go to conferences. Uh, we talk about them. And we tell people the true story about the V1s. And that is the only promotion that they're getting. They're getting their promotion from the community. Uh, at NFT London, we did a meetup at, at Cyborg's gallery, and a lot of V1s were there. And uh, Bivet came in, uh, also known as uh, E3, and he made a whole movie about it, and he posted that on his YouTube channel, uh, which basically is the same story as, as I was telling here. But all these things, it's just mouth to mouth, and, and people are discovering the V1s. Um, we are now... I just looked before coming in here. I think around 3,700 uh, wrapped. So we expect that between 5 and 7K will actually get wrapped. The rest will be lost. Um, and lost is a big word there because, yeah, Yuga has 1,085 of them, of which one is wrapped in my wrapper. I'm pretty proud of that. Um and yeah, some others will be in wallets of people that forgot about them, that lost their seed phrase, or they just don't care anymore or whatever. But so we say between five and seven K. So we are past halfway now of wrapping in just like a year. So, uh, and I, I would used to say in the Discord, uh, yeah, I think wrapping will slow down now, but we just had a, a, a guy coming in uh, set who wrapped, I don't know, four or five hundred in, in just a few in just a few days. Uh, so yeah, the wrapping still goes on, which is cool because it 
it, it actually it gives and yeah if there are flippers in the room they're they're not going to like what i'm going to say now but it, it, it actually gives a down pressure on on the floor price and that allows a lot of people to come in and to actually still buy one because yeah for most people wow five six eat is still quite a lot of money uh and so that's still affordable once the wrapping is over yeah, that down pressure will go go away, and yeah, the price will inevitably go up. Uh, so it will be interesting to see when that happens and when that speed of wrapping will actually go down. And yeah, I hope that that answers your question. But basically, it's organic grow, and it's yeah, people that are in the Discord. That can be mods, that can be admins, but that can also be anybody that just go out and spread word. That's how we get new people. And the metaverse wrecked me again. So I'm only on spaces. It's a sign, Frank. It's a sign. <laughs> um, no, thanks. Thanks, Frank. Uh, that's, uh, that's that's really interesting to uh, to hear that and kind of your your theory of like of the rapper and like that maybe it's a it's a bit of alpha for you guys you know to to get you know get into b1 punks um yeah it's it's it's, uh, it's a bit of historical nft alpha there uh shared by frank uh whilst frank tries to get up on on back on stage uh by the way like it would be cool to like have um you know the whole community like walk around the uh, museum and appreciate the art and uh, we, we have several uh you know b1 punks and um pride punks uh in the gallery so please check it out um we'll, we'll definitely do that you know maybe the Q &A, Q &A, uh to make sure that we get a group photo there but going back to the space um i think it's pretty interesting to to kind of like understand kind of your your your, your perspective and you know the story of v1 punks is, is, is very unique um you know when it comes to like that that sort of relationship with the you know crypto punks um uh, v2 collection with uh yuga labs so i guess like can you talk a bit more about like the significance of history and you know maybe the differences between the two projects as well as like you know the importance of provenance in general and maybe just talk about like history and and why crypto punks is significant and also the differences between v1 and v2 as a collector Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I'm first going to react on what you said while I was gone. Uh, I fully agree with Axel. Definitely uh, have a look in the museum. It's amazing. I did think it was Axel, his personal collection, uh, uh, and it's worth a fortune. To, my, to our sorry, it's not really Exo. He did uh, ask some friends to hang stuff too. But it's really there's really a lot of historical stuff here. And then, yeah, back to uh, our CryptoPunks. Well, CryptoPunks are the first, let's call it PFP on Ethereum. They were not the first art on Ethereum, but they were the first PFP. They were not intended as a PFP, but they turned out to be one. And yeah, of course, the V1 were first. And yeah, the blockchain will confirm that. Because if you look at when the two contracts were minted, you will see that there is a two-week difference between the two contracts. So uh, we now use a little bit the syntax where we say, okay, the V1s were the original and the V2s are the official. Because the V2s, are, of course, they are endorsed by Yuga. 
uh, and they will probably give them some utility when their uh, how is it called their other side metaverse is coming out. So you will probably get some kind of a three D uh, avatar, and you will not get that for your V one. They also they also confirmed that they they have zero short term uh, interest in the V one. So it, and yeah. Why are the V1s trading less than you would say than the V2? Well, the V2, they do have this five-year trading uh, behind them already uh, at a moment where, where the V1s were basically sleeping. They, they didn't join into the, the influencer pumps and they didn't join into the, the, the really, yeah, the great moments that we had in 21. Uh, because yeah, they did exist, but they were still sleeping. They only came awake after uh, I made that wrapper. Uh, by the way, just for the record, my wrapper was was not the first one. Uh, there were actually two wrappers before me. Uh, the first one never really worked, which is interesting. I, I looked at it uh, at a certain moment, uh, but it didn't show any art. Uh, it was basically just broken. And the second one was made by Fubar. And that one was quite okay, and we did contact Fubar to to work with us because we def- we wanted to change some stuff. And yeah, he was not open to that. He said, "Yeah, the wrapper is there. If you want to use it as it is, you can." But I'm not going to change anything. And yeah, we were not that happy with it, um, and so we made a new one, and uh, and we created community around that wrapper because the the success of the wrapper is only because all these guys are in the Discord and all these guys are going out to conferences and say, look, I have a cool V1. Uh, that is the success of the rapper. And yeah, as a collector, of, of course, as a, as a person, uh, I think I have 15 or 16 now V1s, something like that. Uh, yeah, as a collector, the V1s are the original one. And as a collector, you definitely want to have the original one. So for me, that that is really an, an important, really an important aspect of the V ones. I have I have a V two also, and I, I love that one also. No, no problem about that. But the V one, uh, because I do have the pair, the V one of that one is the original one. That is the one that that started this whole uh, NFT PFP uh, thing. And yeah, personally, I consider everything before Board Ape to be historical. Everything that came after it, not. Uh, maybe some people here will will disagree with me, but uh, and but I think all those projects, those are the ones that I want to collect. Well, there are a few out of my reach, also pure yeah price reach, uh, but there are definitely a lot of very cool uh, historical projects that have yeah a floor that is that is so low that that you can definitely start collecting them i i, I think i saw i think it was leonidas i think i saw somebody tweeting out uh, here can you call yourself an og if you didn't breed uh, crypto kitties when they came out uh and that it just triggered me to go back on the crypto uh kitties website to see how did this breeding work again uh so yeah those are the old uh, the old things, and those are things that are really worth looking into if you're looking into historical uh, NFTs. Back to you, Exo. 
Thanks, Frank. Um, yeah, so really fascinating to, to kind of, you know, learn from your perspective. And I 100% agree that, um, you know, some of these collections, um, historically, they, they, they have so much value. And, um, you know, the current prices uh, in this sort of bear market um, is very much, you know, it shows that the projects are very undervalued, right? So, um, yeah, so I guess like taking it a little bit broader, right, because conscious of time, um, maybe a little bit more about your your sort of background and um, and understanding, like you know, looking looking into the future based on the past, right? But based on the historical uh, NFTs, like what what is your vision uh, for for this space um, as a whole, and you know where does I guess um, CryptoPunks V one fit into that sort of uh, picture, and how. Um, how can it kind of uh, help the, the the rest of the space grow, uh, and and you know where 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 do you see this um, you know this whole space going in in five ten years from now? Okay, I can hear me again. I think. Um, well, um, let let's first take on the historical uh, NFTs. As I said before, for me, everything before Board Ape was historical. Uh, and yeah, the board apes them, themselves, yeah, they have this roadmap, and uh, yeah, they're 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 not doing bad, so they're doing good. Uh, but I don't consider them to be historical. They actually get their uh, they get their value thanks to yeah a lot of people that want to pay just to be in that community, and their utility mainly is the airdrops. Uh, they're giving out free money to everybody who has board ape. That is their utility, and I think all the projects that came after that, they are all struggling a lot with matching uh, that kind of utility. Not everybody can start printing money. Uh, we would be all be so rich, uh, and I would buy just all uh, historical projects with that money. Mm, so I think many many projects will will just start to die. They will, they will go slowly to zero. Uh, it will be different for these historical projects because they have this historical value. But like a project that came out uh, after the Bored Apes, they, they just have a very big risk that they will just they just die and go to zero. The, the key will be the utility. And yeah, the utility, personally, I think, I think it's not a cool PFP. Uh, so I think we still have to discover these. Uh, what are these cool utilities that we are looking for? That is not a hoodie. That is uh, that is it's not a comic book, um, and that we still have to discover. That is that is what I think we will do in the coming in the coming years. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be giving a talk in uh, in New York and in in Tallinn. Uh, for instance, about the soulbound tokens, and I think the soulbound tokens there, they they can maybe give some some interesting extra utility. So a, a soulbound token is is an NFT, uh, but it reacts a little bit different. Uh, so it is the the one that sends out the uh, the owner of the contract basically he can airdrop these NFTs uh, to you, and these NFTs they, they will prove something to you. Uh, that I don't know that you have a driver's license or that you have an insurance for your car, 
Uh, and if you had too much beer, huh, I'm Belgian, I drink beer. If you had too much beer, your driver license will get uh, called in. So it's the owner of the contract that actually calls the NFT back and that uh, parks it on the zero address in this case uh, until two, two weeks. Huh? That's usually your punishment in Belgium, uh, two weeks, and then you can get your driver's license back. Um, and I think utility like that can get can become very, very interesting. Uh, so there is, of course, the gaming industry uh, and this whole metaverse industry, but maybe in 10 years indeed. But at this moment, we don't see it happen here yet. I'm wearing this cool helmet on my head here. Uh, let's say that was an NFT, but can I take that now to on cyber or to another uh, metaverse and wear it there? No, I can't. Uh, it, it was one of the promises of NFTs, but we're not there yet. These metaverses, they're not compatible yet. And I think that's also a very interesting one uh, where we sh- should be looking at it, interoperability of these metaverses. If I want to take this helm to, I don't know, to spatial, well, okay, I can. Uh, spatial is cool, metaverses too. I don't want to break down the guys that built this but you know they built this cool helmet let me take it with me as an nft and when i'm bored of it let me sell it so somebody else can use it and i think we have to look at these utilities and more and more real life utilities as i said okay i have a hoodie of several projects but honestly we're not here for the hoodie yeah the hoodies of the skulls they're very cool but are we here for the hoodies? No, we're not here for the hoodies. We're, we're coming for some real utility, definitely in the future. What we did until now, that was just playing. And many of us made a lot of money with playing. That is very cool if you can do that. Uh, but uh, let's now find that real utility and, and yeah, move the whole NFT space into that real utility. And basically everybody who is here now, you, you guys in 10 years, you will be the OGs. So you, you will probably sell, oh, in our time, we had these board apes and people were paying 100K for it. Uh, and other people would say that's not possible. Nobody would ever do that. Uh, and maybe the pride points at that moment are worth, I don't know, I'm not going to put a, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm not going to put a number on it. But And and they will say, yeah, but why are these? They, they were worthless at the time that, uh, sorry, guys, uh, of those board apps. They say, yes, but those are historical assets. And that is what I really like at these historical assets. They will keep their value not because they have a roadmap with a hoodie on it, but because they're historical. They made something. They made something that was unique at that moment. Why is somebody giving money for a Mona Lisa. It's, let's be honest, it's, it's a cool painting, but it's just a painting. But it's a historical painting. It was hanging in the bedroom of Napoleon. You know, it, it has this, this, this provenance, uh, things that this painting did, did pass on. And I think this will also happen to the historical NFTs. Back to you, Hector. Hundred percent. Thanks, Frank. Um, yeah, utility is the history behind it and the provenance. Um, so yeah, so hundred uh, percent agree. Um, I mean, personally though, like you know, the hoodies are 
uh, are a, a useful utility for for me. <laughs> uh, I, I I can um, you know I personally love the Crypto Skulls hoodie, and uh, you know very reasonably priced compared to the board apes, and uh, I, I I sleep in it sometimes, which is which is great. And obviously for those who've met me in real life, uh, I wear it everywhere. So I, I party, uh, sleep sleep eat rave repeat right like so <laughs> that's uh that's the phrase um but yeah no in a, in a more serious note i think you know what what you said about sobound tokens and uh real world utility uh, i think that's like really interesting um looking into into the future and and how historical nfts play play a role in that is 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 what's fascinating to me like you know the the ip the storytelling you know the so the the, the whole sort of provenance aspect of with all the historical projects um i would like to see that kind of really thrive and 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 build community around it and hopefully one day uh with technology th- and things like uh, sobound tokens uh we can you know solve real world problems right not just not just um maybe like you know punishing you for for drinking too much beer i don't think anyone would do that but like you know maybe yeah if you i guess if you're drink driving uh but yeah i, I guess um you know, it's more like the, I, I, found, I found that super funny, but like, you know, in, 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 a, in a more serious like, utility point of view, I think that, um, you know, with education um, down the road, like, I think that's going to transform the space. I see like, you know, the historical museum as a way of like, you know, bringing people together, bringing projects together and, and educating people. Um, and, and yeah, you're, you're totally right. So I guess the, the question and maybe like, you know, maybe we'll, have a few more questions left and then we'll we'll go to q a uh feel free to to get everyone to um you know type in uh on on the museum chat um but i think you know to round it off i think like the historical space right what what is the you know does this whole journey of like historical nfts and 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 the space you know being so uh sort of niche i guess um, how do we better onboard people, right? Like, how do we teach and educate? You, you talked about education, but and and using soulbound tokens to to provide real world utilities. How do we provide, you know, the solution? And how do we move this whole space forward so that you know we are really creating impact? Uh, and how do we onboard more people to the space? Over to you. Um, 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 um. Uh, okay, well, people are probably not going to like what I'm going to say now, but um, and personally, I think that that we with our let's call it small NFT group, and I'm not talking about the, the people here in in this in the space, but let's say the whole of NFT Twitter, uh, we are not going to onboard that many people. I think it will be the corporations it that will onboard more and more people it will be the gaming industry that will onboard more and more people um and yeah we just had porsche have a try but they did it i don't know who was their advisor but they were so so crashed even before they launched so that was a bad example but if if brands like that can actually do something that is affordable and that 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 will give attention because these these brands they have huge huge following uh, if they can do something positive, so not the Porsche way, and I'm a Porsche lover, uh, but let's not do it the Porsche way. Uh, then I think we will see more people coming in. 
And the second part is indeed uh, is like uh, institutions, like using these soulbound tokens where you can say, okay, it can be about education. You, you, you follow the course, so you get a certificate that you follow that course. And that certificate can be a soulbound token because yeah, you don't want people to sell their certificates. So give them soulbound tokens. But that will mean that they will have to make a wallet. Yeah, and they will see the advantage of that wallet, that that wallet can become their identity. Yeah, and that they get more and more certificates in there, even without having eat, because they don't need eat at that moment. But at a certain moment, they will say, yeah, but what else can I do with this wallet? Oh, I can go into the metaverse with this wallet. Oh, I can do this with this wallet. And at a certain moment, yeah, they will feel the need to put some money on that wallet. And uh, like that, uh, we can draw people in, but we will need support of these big brands. I think. Back to you, Exxon. Super interesting. Um, yeah, like I, I think that's uh, you know a, a fair, fair, you know, fair and valid like perspective. Um, as more and more sort of brands um, come in from Web two to Web three, um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people you know, really be like very vocal about like the conviction that they have that more brands will come in and, and hopefully drive user adoption. Um, but yeah, like I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting to, to kind of hear that, that, that perspective because, you know, hopefully we can onboard more people through education, you know, in many different ways. Right. And, and, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's like corporates or brands coming in and, and uh, bringing their following and, and their influence, um, I also hopefully think that you know we we ourselves can make a difference you know through through education and through word of mouth and and you know going to spaces like this and and you know through podcasts and content hopefully we can you know make it more decentralized as well and not just rely on um, you know brands but I do think that you know like you said you know I think especially this year you're going to see a lot more brands coming in and and you you mentioned those examples I think that that is going to be the case going forward for the next a few years um, down the road. Uh, And what's interesting to me is like, you know, how does education become more decentralized and how, you know, how does NFTs and and historical NFTs play a role in that? Um, But yeah, so I think like we can move if, if there's any sort of last points you want to raise um, maybe round it off so that we can, go into q a that would be great maybe give us like three takeaways um uh about the crypto punks uh, v1 story um and also yeah what what, what do you want to give uh to the audience um you know three takeaways uh that they can um remember uh for this uh space thank you well i think that the first and most important one is the v1s are the original ones they were launched first they had a bug but there is no bug that can't get fixed uh so the v1s were definitely the original ones uh they were first that is my first takeaway uh my second takeaway a little bit in line with what i already said is uh if you're looking for i can't give uh, financial advice but if you're looking for long-term holdings honestly i would go into historical nfts because the historical nfts they will hold their value if you look what is hanging here in the museum it won't go down if you come back in 10 years to this museum uh, 
it's a metaverse museum so it's probably still there uh these things they will go up in value because more and more will get lost in that wallets I, I remember i said uh five to seven k of v1s will be wrapped the rest is lost that was over a period of five years well in another five years others will be lost there will be skulls lost there will be uh, pride punks lost uh so the the supply actually over times reduces and when the supply over times reduces the value goes up and for me everything before the board apes is historical so i see those values go up but that was not financial advice of course and then uh yeah as their takeaway indeed uh v1 punks they did grow completely organically we didn't have to pay a single influencer. The only thing that we ever paid was that lawyer to do, get the DMCA, right? Uh, so you don't need that. We don't need those influencers. Yeah, we can do this on our own. Uh, so go out there and spread the word about the projects you love and forget about the influencers. Those are my three things. there we have it thanks uh thanks frank and um yeah you heard you heard the man like this is a you know an amazing space to learn um so thanks so much frank for for coming to hnft museum uh series two uh you know just just kind of round this sort of podcast uh, segment off um but yeah like really interesting to kind of get your perspective and and to learn from you so yeah, I think that's um, you know I'm I'm certainly looking at V1 punks at the moment and yeah super fascinated about the whole story behind it. Um, yeah, and and uh, we'll we'll bring sort of a few people up and do a Q and A session uh, in 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 very shortly in two minutes. Um, I will invite everyone now to move to the museum space where we can appreciate the V1 punks uh, more closely. Um, and yeah, and then we can do a Q and A there, and, and maybe take take a quick uh, photo, um, and then we'll we'll do perhaps afterwards as well. So yeah, over to you. I'll, I'll, I'm going to bring some people up on stage, um, and then yeah, I, I will invite the community to ask any questions as well. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll all migrate now to the um, to the uh, Crypto Puns V1 um, section of the museum. Um, yeah. Let's 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 all go there now. All right, give it a few more minutes, uh, one more minute to get everyone <laughs> together. Uh, it's actually, for those who can't find it, it's the uh, sort of uh, early to middle um, 
uh, time period, emergence period, and it's uh, 2015 to 2016. Uh, well, there's a typo there. But yeah, so if you just go to the right um, side of the museum, uh, you should be able to find everyone there um, past the crypto, uh, crypto skulls uh, section and area. And then it's uh, on the side of the museum. But yeah, uh, welcome, Dennis, uh, to the stage. You have a question for Frank? Yep, sorry about that. Um, I was uh, wondering what Frank's view of people using their IP rights for, say, the Skulls or the V1 Punks, or even, I'm not sure what the logistics under Pride Punks are, um, to start their own business brands, kind of like coffee companies, T-shirt companies, stickers, just any kind of brand, you know, if you own a construction company using it for a logo for their business do you think that's a uh, a good place to invest some time and energy into oh that's a good good question uh so i'll repeat it because i, I don't think everybody in the metaverse did hear, hear it so uh dennis was asking um what do you think about people using their ip rights to uh to promote their business uh you think it's a good idea or a bad idea or something like that is it something it's worth investing your your time in, and uh, personally, I would say yes. Um, definitely, if it's uh, if if it's yeah, if if it's if it's one that is that is worth something, let's call it like that. And what if it's worth something? I, I'll let you uh, decide what what that means. But if you have a a punk or you have an ape uh, that actually allows you to use it uh, i think the, the the skulls also they allow you to use it um then why not uh if if you're okay with using it because yeah from a skull you can say yeah that gives me a little bit of a of a pirate uh, ambience and pirate vibe but maybe that fits in your business so why not um honestly uh, if if these uh collections give you the ip or the limited commercial rights to to actually do it and you like it do it go for it uh, i think the most important thing and i, I learned that uh like, like 20 years ago um, i had the, the woman of my boss and she was she was the head of marketing and there was something you could never do and that was touch the logo of the company uh, and we, we had a we had a quite difficult logo, and yeah, sometimes on the website you wanted to have it inverted to get the colors right. Uh, she would completely explode if you do. Your logo is your logo, and if you uh, if you go like this, if you say, "Okay, I'm going to use a skull," uh, yeah, your skull is your skull, and don't start changing it every six months. It, it has to stay recognizable and that that is the most important thing about the logo and the brand and i do i do make that mistake uh, a lot uh, because if you follow me on twitter you will see like every month every two months uh, i change my pfp which basically is absolutely no good but i'm not really using my i'm, I'm wearing my v1 right now and i'm not really using it as my brand i'm also not using my ape as my brand other people will say yeah but use that use that ape as your brand because it's important uh no and i'm not using my skulls either i just change with yeah whatever i feel like uh at that moment 
But if you really want to build a brand around it, yeah, stick to it. Use it. That's my I would love to add to this uh, this IP chat, if that's okay. Can I just do it in here, or do you want me to go in spaces? I, can I just do it okay if I just do it here? I'm, I'm nursing a cold. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, so... Okay, I think it's interesting to consider, first of all, if it's like a personal brand or a business that you're developing around the IP, because um, they're not quite the same thing, and it probably will depend on which one you would prefer to acquire if you're building a business versus something you identify with personally. I also think it's important for people to look at the terms. For instance, if you look at the Doodles contract, um, the maximum commercial IP there is 100000 in revenue, and then you need a new license, and you need to agree to the terms. So always, always review uh, what the license that you get from the project uh, in case that you have caps, uh, depending on where you want to take the business. Um, and then I think that um, it really depends on, again, like what the project is and the vibe is. Like I'm an eight holder and I know there, uh, there are a lot of people that have done a lot of brand building. There's like a whole restaurant called Bored and Hungry with I think several chains now. And all of that is built around... Um, the, the IP of being part of apes, but also, of course, leveraging the entire ape network for all of us to be like, yes, I definitely want to eat at that. I'm a holder. So there's a lot of meaning around that um, in terms of like what the intent is. So I just think it's like really important to think about like for something like Bored and Hungry, they definitely don't want like a 100,000 cap on the use of IP, right? Um, but maybe if you want to get something like a doodle and be part of whatever cartoon building, sure. Or maybe you want to do that with your crypto skull. I haven't looked at the terms yet for the skulls I'm in the holder, but I'm definitely going to dig in and see where I can find those terms. But just wanted to like provide that info on really looking at what it is exactly that you get. So yeah, thanks. Thank you, thank you for that. Really good information. Yeah, the V1. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, but yeah, the V1 never officially got their uh, commercial rights. So if you uh, if you want to use it for for a company, I would not recommend you to do it because Yuga definitely has the right to come after you. If you're using it as your PFP on Twitter, honestly, I don't think anybody will come after you. So uh, this is not legal advice, neither. Uh, but nobody nobody cares if you're going to make punked and hungry with your V1. You're probably in trouble. just an interesting consideration because it's like uh you know <laughs> there's these two punks with identical artwork and uh one of them is like the legal ownership and it, it's a little bit complicated for people to wrap their heads around if they're not uh, really used to the v1 v2 dynamic so yeah just, just something to kind of be aware of if you're a v1 holder like yuga is not at least so far giving any ip rights to the, to the v1 people I think for brand building, if you look at the two collections, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're identical with the exception of the background color, correct? Frank, you want to answer in detail? Like, I, I'll give the very short answer. The answer is the historical provenance and artwork. It's the exact same hash. The artwork is 100% identical. Frank, 
there was there was a lot of discussion around how the wrapper could be maybe a little bit different. Um, maybe we could be a little tasteful. Frank, do you want to give me highlights on those kind of things, the thinking there? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, to answer your question first, no, there's no difference in the background. The art is identical because the background mm-hmm. is not part of the art. Yeah, I just mean for what, like, because look, we're not, the thing with branding is it's less about the provenance, which we all love here, and it's more about visual identity, right? <laughs> so if someone is building a visual identity with their crypto punk around certain traits, and then you have a view on with the exact same traits, what are the differentiating factors there? Because that's the stuff that ultimately comes into play for visual identity and branding, right? Yes, absolutely. And that was my point. They are identical. So the background is added uh, in case of the V2s by the website and in case of the V1s by the wrapper. And that, that color pattern is indeed different, but the art is the same. And it, it, I, I did read the license of the V2s and it is very clear there is, there is no loophole uh, at this moment. They gave uh, limited commercial rights to the V2s and they didn't give anything to the V1s. So I stay with my point. If you want to make punk and hungry, get a V2. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the purple differentiator really is how we differentiate them when we peruse spaces, right? Like that's that's actually how you kind of, like when I see that purple background, I think, okay, that's a V1 punk versus when I see the other color, whether it's on chain or not. I think it's just like a visual identity that most people are accustomed to when they when they go on Twitter spaces and look at people's PFPs. Yeah, we, yeah we, these we, are all conversations we had very, uh, we had some heated debates, you could say, back in the Discord uh, when the rapper was being built. And uh, yeah, as Frank kind of alluded to, I was a fan of Neon, backgrounds with the similar thinking as you like i want people to be able to tell the difference between these things right if the if it's too similar then people on twitter are are gonna have trouble like understanding what they're looking at um that said i'm pretty happy that the neon didn't win it it just objectively doesn't uh like look as good aesthetically i would say so i'm actually really happy i think with how everything turned out and i'm glad i think like cyborg and himba and frank were uh, pretty Pretty adamant uh, that we weren't going to go down the neon path, which I, I thank them for <laughs> now. But yeah, these are questions that like we have these discussions, and we did think quite a lot about it. It was if if you go back to the Discord, you can actually find these discussions back because the the general channel never got wiped or something like that. Uh, so if you really go back to the start, uh, well, a little bit more than a year ago. Uh, you can actually find all these discussions back in there. They're actually pretty funny. To, oh, well, this is the color, the other one. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, um, I, I think it was Hamba's wife who actually made uh, a, several sets of color palettes because we didn't need one color. We, we needed four colors because the, the V1 punks, the background, changes based on the state of the punk. So the, the punk in rest is, is lavender-like here, uh, but you have a punk that has a bit, and you have a punk that uh, is for sale. Uh, and we also added, uh, you have a punk that is not wrapped. Uh, because if you go at the original marketplace uh, we made, it changes color, just like the V2s do. Of course, the wrapper can't do that because the wrapper has no notion of, of what state it's in. But the marketplace would also replace these background colors. 
And I think Canvas Wife made like four or five different uh, possibilities. Uh, and a few other people also added uh, some things in, like Leonidas added the neon thing in. And then we just had a vote, a Discord vote. Uh, uh, and yeah, Lavender did win. Not more, not less. Now, I must add, we were only like, I don't know, what were we, Lionis? 15 people or something like that in the Discord at that moment? Would have been more than that. Yeah, I think, you know, this was, you got to remember that, like, in parallel, there were, starting around, like, December 15th, there were, like, two or three holders selling into the historical NFT discords. And then y'all had, in parallel to that, this kind of project to, like, do a wrapper. And basically, like, these conversations had kind of been going on in some of the historical discords because maybe, like, by that, by, like, in December, probably, like, 50 of us had bought V1s. So even though there was no, like, wrapper and we weren't even aware of you guys, we were very, like, excited about V1s. So then when you guys are basically doing exactly what we're talking about needs to happen. Like people got excited. So I would say like when that vote happened, I think probably like there was probably like 30 or 40 people in the discord by the time that vote happened. I'm, I'm pretty sure all, all these holders were very excited for what you guys were doing. And, uh, you know, instantly the, the kind of conversations around V1s moved from the, the HNFD discords into the, Yeah, that's super cool. And for those that, I don't know, I'm, I'm not on the Twitter space, so if someone can echo this onto there, but yeah, just if anyone wants to pop into the V1 Discord, it's definitely active. Um, hey, Frank, did you mention or did you want to talk about kind of future plans of V1s? I know um, we had talked to Hemba back in September, and that recording is saved, and it most likely, if if it isn't, I can link it on the um, when you're looking at like a a CryptoPunk here on the wall. There's a link that opens up to the HNFT museum. But we had a great conversation with Hemba, learned a lot, and you know also shared this like kind of amazing point in history, kind of what Leon, you know, similar to what Leonidas is talking about in December. Um, I guess that was of twenty one. Um, but yeah. Frank, will you just touch on like punk radio and just some of the other kind of like plans, maybe like quarter one, quarter two plans. And, um, you know, I know a lot of the people here within the metaverse and probably on Twitter too, hold the ones or interested in them. Um, just, yeah, what are we expecting to see from you all? I think there might've been talk about like a DAO even at one point in discord or yeah, just kind of where things are at with all that. Yes, uh, there is even a treasury. There's not much in there, but there is even a treasury. Uh, there are treasurers. Uh, Cyborg is a member of the treasurers, I think. Um, so you, you can say there is already a, a simplistic DAO. So you could go to Snapshot and say, oh, guys, I want to vote uh, over this or that. Uh, and, and we can actually do that vote already. Uh, but of course, yeah, don't ask for uh, 400K to, I don't know, make a book. Seen that uh, recently uh, in the in the apes and punks uh, thing happen. Yeah, we just don't have that money, so don't expect that to happen. Um, also, don't make a vote to make the, the lavender to neon 
we're not going to make that happen. So I think the Discord, the Discord mainly is there for one to keep uh, to keep the punks as they are. Uh, so to keep them that that that, yeah, that nobody messes up messes them up. Um, a long term objective, of course, is to get that word out. So you will see Sean. Sean is one of the biggest uh, speakers of us. Uh, he's going to all kinds of uh, things where he is explaining the history of uh, of the V1 punks. He does that way better than me. Uh, but I'm doing it too. I'll, uh, I just did London. I will be in New York again. I'm going to Tallinn. I will be in Paris. Uh, I'll probably be in Lisbon. So spreading the news is, is definitely the, the major part of our roadmap. Um, and don't expect a hoodie, but you already knew that after my talk in the, in the main room, I think. Although we already had a few uh, of our members, community members, making T-shirts. I, I actually have two of them. I think Cyborg, once again, made a T-shirt. Uh, and Geo made a T-shirt that I was wearing in NFT London. And I'll definitely take uh, both of them with me to NFT Paris. Yeah, I think any of us would hoodie or something here in the metaverse if anything but yeah i think that the imagery is so iconic and definitely has set the stage i the question i had like way back earlier frank just thinking about like the broader picture thinking back about 2015 and 16 could you clarify were you in the space at that point or i know you said you were an artist and um i guess like a web developer turned blockchain developer or I guess, can you take us back to like 2015 and 16 or even 17 and what that looks like? Well, I was in the space and I was not in the space. Um, I was in the crypto space. I was not in the NFT space. I had no clue NFT existed. So to my sorry, Cyborg did not call me in 2017 to say, uh, I read this amazing uh, Mashable article. You really need to read it. Uh, I'm not going to blame him because he didn't have my phone number at that time. But uh, no, I was not in the NFT space. And indeed, yeah, I started my career as a as a developer. I mainly did Java in uh, in my, in most of my career. Um, also doing some Python now, and I'm doing the whole Solidity thing. Uh, I, I did do the whole uh, ESC seven twenty one F which is an answer to the ERC 7021A because I personally believe, if you look at my talks in London and New York, you will see, I personally believe that ERC 721A is basically quite evil uh, because what they don't tell you is you will indeed, you will pay less when you mint, but you will pay more in transfer forever. So in the end, it will just use more gas than everything else. Uh, so... I basically wrote an answer on that. We're working on that uh, also in my company. I have an intern that is constantly doing gas tests. So uh, I really want to work more on teaching people to write Solidity better. That is definitely something where I personally want to put uh, more time in. Um, and then, yeah, for the rest, uh, I'm helping a lot of projects to launch their con contracts. I see Paladin Punks are here, so they will probably be my next contract. Uh, well, not probably, they will be. Um, so 
a lot of stuff is is happening in this space and i'm definitely here to stay active in this space but in 2017 yeah i was here but i was playing uh with coins basically just making some money uh but not as a blockchain developer Awesome. Thanks, Frank, for answering that. And then um, how about, I know, I don't, I don't see Hemba here today. I don't know, maybe he is on Twitter, but is the punk radio still happening? I know I've tuned into a bunch of those, maybe, I don't know, a couple. It must have been in the fall or something, but I thought that was a great space. And I know those recordings are up too. Um, I don't know if I have a link to them, but I can find it if if I can. But yeah, that was a great way to just plug in meet people in the punk community um you know and i think just as twitter spaces have been for us for a long time um you know at least a year or two or whatever but um you know moving into like a metaverse space so that's where we're hanging out i am realizing there's a couple like url or there's a url issue and like another uh just typo type thing so i'm working on some back-end things while we're hanging out yeah if anyone else has questions in the metaverse or on Twitter, I guess XOAO, you can um, plug them in via Twitter if anyone's hanging out and has a question for Frank, or you know, even if we move, um, you know, into a more general discussion about punks and you know derivative projects or you know the Pride Punks creation and all that. I'll quickly answer your question. Uh, punk Radio is definitely still on. Eh? It's uh, it's a project of Hamba and uh, and Jason, Jason from the Funks. Uh, and they're doing that together. So I'm not really involved in planning that or doing whatever, but uh, that is definitely that is active and that, uh, that happens like, I think, I think every two weeks, something like that. They have a new show and they stream it uh, on, on Twitch and on YouTube. And I think they, I don't think they, they stream it on Spaces, so just on, on Twitch and YouTube, I think. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Frank. That is, um, that's good to know. Yeah. That they're streaming, of course, happening on Twitch and on YouTube. And I almost forget that sometimes where it's so Twitter focused. So thanks for that reminder. And I'll have to check that out. Hey, can somebody talk about the, um, background of the pride punks and how it started? Somebody mentioned that you can talk about it. I'd love to hear that backstory. Lizzo. Do you, you want to take us over to the Pride Punks? Yeah, let's have a let's have a journey over to the Pride Punk, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the background and where that came from. Woohoo! Yeah, and remember, we got to get a group photo. Yeah, this has been really cool. I like uh, how active it is, and how you can kind of wander around. Stuck. All right, so here we are in front of the uh, Pride Pong there. Uh, what's, again, what we kind of illustrated prior, uh, Denison was an artist, and he wanted to create a, a kind of a, a statement of diversity in Web3. Uh, in doing so, he, he uh, used the, you know, kind of the, some of the Pride Punk, um, uh, the, the actual Pride Punk uh, art, and then uh, utilized the uh, um, 
you know, the rainbow as a, as a representation of the uh, diversity element. And uh, of course, uh, the IP is a separate IP. He made sure he did uh, kind of get with legal team and ensure that uh, there was nothing that was going to kind of interfere there. Uh, but again, the ideation behind this uh, was that the the uh, you know CryptoPunk would actually wrap inside. Um, you know that was the interoperability of the the actual wrapper contract. So when these minted originally, uh, the 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 pride or the CryptoPunk would actually wrap inside uh, of the pride punk. So that was the original contract design. Uh, and of course, that was uh, kind of like the statement during uh, Pride Month, and that's that's kind of how uh, this occurred. It's a similar. Uh, if you look at the the contract, it is an ERC twenty one hash uh, that points to the actual um, you know artwork, similar to the CryptoPunk artwork. So it is uh, very very similar in that regard. Uh, contracts are, are uh, you know it's an older. The original contract is very old, uh, you know, 2018, uh, similar to the 2017 contract. Do the images of the Pride Punks match um, corresponding numbers to... The regular punks? Yeah, great question. Um, with the design, the way it was designed was that these would correspond with the CryptoPunk. Uh, so they did have a matching number. Uh, keep in mind, there was, Dennis was not the greatest uh, developer and was kind of fiddling around with stuff. You know, there's, there's provenance to, to the first 200 that were what we call the test tokens. So the first couple hundred uh, didn't have numbers uh, readily uh, displayed. We call them the test tokens. A lot of the collectors like those. I think they're pretty cool. Uh, the other piece that was kind of interesting when he was, you know, trying to fix the the contract, uh, he announced it. He announced it on Twitter. He said, "Hey, I, I'm fixing this contract. I'm trying to kind of solve, you know, some some issue, and um, you know, just." announced this and some people created their own mechanism to actually mint some of these. So the first few, you know, I think it was like 70 or 80 uh, people just created their own way to mint these suckers. And so they were actually minted, gosh, two, three weeks before uh, the actual uh, relaunch of the project. So they're a little bit older uh, and they have another piece of provenance. They're, they're, uh, from Denison, many of them are from his personal wallet address. So if you look at those, they are Kitty Graham, which is Dennis or Denison's personal wallet, which was the one same wallet the first few, uh, you know, were were minted uh, in 2018 um, from the contract as well. So a lot of people like those; they collect those. They think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. I like that as well. I think for me, the cool piece is, gosh, it's raw, you know. This isn't a corporation. This is a guy at a computer, you know, just trying to figure it out. And, you know, when you talk about the technology, especially in 2018, it was really new, right? So a lot of this stuff is just people kind of bumping their head as they go and uh, working through through the, uh, you know, the, the technology. And that was, that was Dennis. And uh, he continues to learn and grow and work through new technologies. So, 
Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Very interesting story. Uh, interesting provenance as you kind of pick through the nuance of the actual art and the contract. There's there's some some cool uh, you know some cool Easter eggs that a lot of the folks in the community appreciate. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I agree with Frank. You know, when we talk about, you know, the future of NFTs and the things that are, are developing and happening, um, you know, I, uh, I long ago, I, I ran U.S. operations for a um, an, uh, an insurance ICO. That's kind of how I got to know Vinay, uh, who's, who's with us today. And uh, so, you know, back then we would talk to the, a lot of the people in this space and, and we talked to, uh, you know, the OGs and the people that were kind of developing things. And, um, you know, when we talked, I remember being at the World Crypto Con in 2018 and kind of I ran a booth there and I was collaborating with a lot of the other people. And, you know, if you talk to Charlie Lee, you talk to all these people, that was what they were talking about. They were talking about gaming back then, gaming being the way of NFTs that would bring this into the, the forefront and bring it to the, the mainstream. I still, you know, my personal belief that that could be the case, right? Uh, we talk about a lot of these these uh, new game designs. Skulls is coming up with some great stuff, uh, and there's other, you know, even AAA blockchain gaming that's coming out with, with assets that are ownable. And I think, you know, that'll be a very exciting element. We talk about the future. The other piece I think is, um, you know, uh, the the in real life elements, right? These. I, I think it's really cool the, the, the way that these are uh, a storefront to different things and they can be used for a lot of in real life solutions. You know, I could see these as an identity piece. I could see these as holding other things. You know, I'm, I'm kind of browsing around the metaverse and, and looking at, uh, you know, gosh, people are, are, are having locked uh, data that's stored inside these NFTs. And, you know, the, the, Possibilities are endless, and we are at the precipice. We are the technologists. We are the, you know, the the new OGs, as they say. You know, if you look at the data, we, gosh, at the height of the NFT, uh, quote unquote, phrase, we had four hundred sixty thousand active NFT users. Right? We define active NFT users as somebody who buys or sells or moves an NFT within a month time frame. That's not many guys. Uh, if we talk about the the you know, uh, number of humans in just the United States alone, where I think 300 and I'm going to screw the number up, 330 or 350 million people. This is extremely early technology. We are extremely early. And we talk about these assets. They are the earliest of the early. We are super early. Most of these, you know, everything we're looking at here, I think, gosh, prior to 2018, there was, what, maybe 100 projects? I don't know. It wasn't many. And we're here. We're, we're part of, of uh, the, the people that are telling the story and keeping the story of something I feel is very important. And I'm proud and honored to be part of this community with you guys. Couldn't agree more. I mean, it's pretty amazing that, uh, I mean, think about it. Like, the three kind of communities more or less that have come together today 
are CryptoPunks V1 and PridePunks and CryptoSkulls. None of these projects were really a thing 13, 14 months ago. And now they all have these super vibrant communities. All have held their value probably much better than uh, like mostly like these kind of ments, like this historical thesis, in my opinion, is playing out kind of as, as we kind of expected, right? Um, obviously, everything takes a hit in a bear market, but, um, you know, there is like this intrinsic value to historical NFTs like we all believed. And um, I think the fact that we're all here is a testament to uh, that historical kind of significance of these projects. And I think it's cool that we're, you know, collaborating, we're coming together and uh, hanging out as different communities. That's kind of a cool thing. Um, you know, literally none of this was a thing 13 months ago. All three projects were more or less like zero people. So kind of amazing. Thanks, Leo. Appreciate it. Um, I think you're, you're like, you, you kind of, uh, you know, summarized it really well and, you know, like to quote your your quote, uh, in order to build a brighter future, we must understand our past. Um, so yeah, totally. You know, it's been a, a fascinating. Um, you know, two hours to to listen to to Lizzo and Frank. Um, you know, both representing the punks, uh, but with very unique stories. So I'm I'm super, you know, grateful that you guys um came and 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 educated us on on the story. And yeah, I've just really enjoyed the uh, the space as a whole. Um. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, see if there's any other questions uh, on, on spaces, and we'll we'll probably close uh, spaces, and then we'll just hang out in the museum, and you know, maybe maybe have a party if Solo uh, House comes comes uh, comes and plays a set. That would be awesome. Um, but yeah, like any any final questions on spaces, so we can um, you know wrap it up and and yeah, and then everyone can hang out in the museum and, and relax and chill. All right, well, um, I'll play some music and, and wrap it wrap it up um, on spaces. Thanks. So this song, since I'm the DJ instead of Solo House, uh, will. We'll wrap it up with Steve Aoki, who's a Crypto Skulls holder. Uh, and I guess a, maybe he's a fan of historical NFTs. We'll, maybe, maybe we'll get him on the show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the song's got Just Hold On. So we'll, we'll hold on to our historical NFTs. Question. 